the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Brand News, WTBN, Pinellas Park. That's not what Eve did. She listened to Satan's alluring temptation. You know what? She believed it. She believed that what he told her would enhance her life. She believed that if she disobeyed God, she would improve her life. She would do what seemed best to her to improve her life. And so according to Genesis 3, 6, we read, she gave into temptation and she sinned. She sinned by eating the forbidden fruit. Then she gave the fruit to Adam and he sinned by eating it too. As Screwtape wrote to his demonic protege in C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters, it is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. In reality, our best work is done by keeping things out. Satan was able to convince Eve that the forbidden fruit was actually good for her because she didn't remember the fact that God loved her and wanted the best for her. We put ourselves in terrible danger when we forget that. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We're studying the biblical marriage, and today we're in chapter 3 of Genesis as we consider the fall of man and how that has impacted our marriages right up to the present day. In his book, The Serpent of Paradise, Erwin Lutzer tells the story about a construction company that invited various contractors to submit their bids for a major building complex. Now, the bids had to be submitted in secret because all things being equal, the contractor who submitted the lowest bid would get the job. Well, on the last day that bids could be submitted, one of the contractors walked into the office of the president of the company with a bid application in his hand. But no one was in the office. It was empty. So looking around the office... He noticed the bid application of his major competitor lying open on the president's desk. We couldn't see the monetary figure of the bid because a can of soda was sitting directly over the bid's amount on the document. See, he reasoned that if he could just take a a look at this figure, then he could adjust his own bid to be just below it, and then he would get this multi-million dollar job. Well, this man nervously paced the floor as he faced a real temptation. He thought about moving the can for just a second, reading the figure and then quickly putting the can back down. So he touched the can, but then decided to not move it. But after a moment, he glanced around the room, making sure that no one was looking. Then he lifted the soda can, intending to take just a quick peek and then put the can back down. But when he did this, hundreds of little BB pellets spilled on the floor and uh, rolled on the desk and then rolled onto the floor. Now, the moral of this story 
is that when temptation results in sin, there are consequences and there are repercussions for our actions that we could never have anticipated. See, there are spiritual aftershocks we never dreamed could occur when we disobey God's word. And this is a pattern that goes back to the very first temptation and the very first sin that took place in the Garden of Eden. Now, last week we studied the temptation of Eve and the initial sin of Adam and Eve as we examined the opening verses of Genesis 3. See, the first man and the first woman never anticipated and never imagined what their one act of disobedience would generate and how it would adversely affect their lives as well as the lives of of all of us, all of their descendants. And that's why we have included a study of the fall of man in our series on what the Bible teaches concerning marriage because the effects and the consequences of the fall play a huge role in the ongoing struggles that husbands and wives face in their relationship with each other. See, unless we understand the negative impact of the fall, the, the impact that it had upon the marriage of Adam and Eve and continue, continues to have on our marriages, then we really won't know how to deal with the unique challenges we face in trying to have a healthy relationship with our spouse. So having looked last week at Satan's temptation of Eve that led to the fall, this week we want to look at the effects of the fall, the results of the fall. And as we go through these verses, we're going to give careful consideration to how the fall continues to impact our marriages. Now, the fall impacts everything in life, but this is a series on the marriage, so I'm going to have some applications in particularly in particular that are going to deal with marriage. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. And though we looked at this verse last week, I want to take us a little deeper into this. Verse 6 says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Now, as I said, we looked at this verse last Sunday and as we looked at this, we studied Satan's temptation of Eve that led to her subsequent sin. But I want to add a few thoughts to what we already discovered about this temptation. And here's the reason. Satan's strategy with Eve is essentially the same approach that he takes today with us. You see, the the devil is the epitome of evil, and he's a liar, but he's not particularly creative. When something works, he just continues using that, and it's been working for thousands of years. So we're going to see a pattern that emerges in how Satan tempts us. In our previous study, we discovered two tactics that Satan uses when he does tempt us. Tactic number one is he tempts us to question and doubt God's goodness and his love by suggesting that God really doesn't have our best interests at heart, he really doesn't, he really doesn't love us. And, and, and you notice in verse 1, he asks Eve this question. Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Well, the essence of this initial question to Eve is something like this. Has God told you something as ridiculous as forbidding you to eat from all of the fruit in the garden? Now, what he's doing is he is attacking God's character. He is saying God is not someone who really cares about you, Eve. He doesn't care about you or your, your husband. He doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. He cares about one thing and one thing only, and that is himself. Because if he cared about you, why would he hold anything back from you? 
Now, that's his first tactic. His strategy is to plant into our minds questions and doubts concerning God's love and concern for us. Secondly, Satan tempts us to think that God's word cannot be trusted because he tells us God doesn't speak the truth. Now, we see this in his statement to Eve when in verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. Now, God said that they would die. Satan said, no, it's not true. You will not die. Die. Now, you understand the death that God was speaking of is spiritual death. They didn't die physically that day. They began to die physically, but what God is saying is the day that you eat, you will die, meaning you will spiritually die. Spiritual life will no longer be a part of your, your fiber, your being. But the serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. This is an outright denial of God's integrity. So having initially tempted Eve to doubt God's character, Satan now tries to lure her in by denying the truthfulness of God's words. They can't be trusted. God is is one who misleads us. God is someone who speaks error. God is not truthful. Now, folks, the approach that the devil used with Eve, as we said, it's the same approach that he uses with us. Uses the same thing. He solicits us to doubt God's love and to doubt God's word. But there is a third tactic that I want to mention this morning, which I didn't mention last week, but I want to go over this now because it is very pertinent to our study of marriage because Satan often uses this very approach in trying to destroy the relationship between a husband and wife. Here's the tactic, deception. He's a deceiver. That's what Satan is. The devil used deception in approaching Eve, and he still uses deception With us. As you'll recall, he initially deceived Eve by appearing to her as a serpent, which apparently at that time was a very beautiful creature prior to God placing a curse upon snakes for their role in the fall. But he also deceived Eve by giving her a false promise that disobedience to God would make her as wise as God is, knowing good and evil. That was a lie. That was absolutely a lie. Is it true that God knows good and evil? Yes, absolutely. But Adam and Eve would not know good and evil like God knows good and evil. They would know evil experientially. God has never experienced evil. He cannot do anything that's wrong. So he's he's lying here, but he gives us this pro- he gives Eve this promise, this false promise that you'll be like your creator. This will be good for you. And this appealed to, to Eve. Because she felt that this knowledge was something positive, something that would help her in life, something that she wanted, something that would be beneficial for her. And because Satan was so deceptive, Eve never suspected that she was being set up and lured into sin by the enemy of her soul because he promised her something that she just saw as beneficial, positive. And it was communicated to her in such an attractive package by a beautiful looking serpent. Now, we know the devil is not going to appear to us today in the form of a, of a snake, but he still tempts us, folks, by deception as he targets, and note this, he targets our minds by giving us all kinds of thoughts that are contrary to Scripture, in conflict with the Word of God, thoughts that promise to make us feel good about ourselves and, and help us become, become the kind of self-fulfilled and successful people that we've always wanted to become. Now, these thoughts often come through some very dynamic-sounding religious leaders 
and teachers who give the appearance of being servants of God, but in reality, the Bible teaches that they are servants and ambassadors of Satan who teach nothing less than doctrines of demons. Now, where, where do we read this? Let's open our Bibles. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Several years ago, we studied Paul's letter to the Corinthians, the second letter, what's called 2 Corinthians. And the background of this letter is that false teachers had deceived the church into believing that Paul was not an apostle and that they were apostles and they preached another Jesus. And so these, some of the folks were, were following them. It was a very divided church. And basically the whole letter is Paul defending himself. Now, you come to chapter 11, and while he's defended himself up to this point, he has not said who these men really are, but here he's going to expose them. First, he gives a principle. Look at chapter 11, verses 3 and 4. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, notice he goes back to the garden here, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He said, what Satan did to Eve, I'm afraid he's doing to you. You're being deceived. You're being moved away from the simplicity and devotion to Jesus Christ. And he explains, verse four, for if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we've not preached, or you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, meaning you haven't received from us, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. What he's saying is they're preaching a different Jesus to you. I'm telling you, you got to get back to the simplicity and devotion to Christ himself. They're coming and giving false uh, issues, falsehood concerning the person and work of Christ. So he, he says that's the problem. But jump down, if you will, to verses 13 through 15. You're going to see he exposes these men, who they are. Verse 13 says, for such men, meaning these men who are teaching you this stuff, they are false apostles deceitful workers disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. They said they were the Lord's apostles. Who are they really? Verse 14, no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light, meaning Satan is deceptive. And then he says, therefore, it is not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. These men are ambassadors of Satan. When they preach falsehood, it's obvious You see, through smooth-talking false teachers who are often, I might add, pastors and ministers of respectable churches, Satan targets our minds with error, with teachings that are contrary to Scripture, that are in conflict with the Word of God, teachings that tell us how to improve ourselves and how to achieve happiness and fulfillment and be the very best people we can be. And sometimes these erroneous thoughts are in the area of our marriages. As Satan tells you through heretical teachers that the way to really be happy is by violating and disregarding scripture and simply doing what you think is in your best interests. He tells you such things as you would be better off divorcing that rotten husband of yours. Then you'd be free from his ongoing verbal and mental and emotional abuse. Just just do that. Or you deserve a better life than the one that you now have. Just look at you. You're miserable. Yes, you made a mistake marrying him, marrying her, but you don't have to stay miserable. Just correct your mistake now and get out of this marital mess and move on with your life. Or certainly God wants you to be happy and you're really not happy 
you're not happy and, and you're not happy with your wife anymore. She just isn't meeting your sexual needs. So it's okay to have an affair. No one will know. No one will find out. You see, in all temptations, whether it be in the area of marriage or in any other area of life, keep in mind that Satan always targets our minds, the way we think by some thought that is very appealing to us, but it is pure trickery. It is deceitfulness. It's not true. He will always tell you, you'll have a better life and you'll be happy if you just disobey God. You just get somebody else rather than the person that you're married to now, you will be happy and fulfilled. That's not true. But why does he target our minds? Why does he aim at our minds? Listen closely, because your mind is the area where God communicates to you through his word. Your mind is where he reveals his will. Your mind is where, where he establishes correct thinking that leads, note this, to correct living. So if Satan can just mess with your thinking, he can mess up your entire life. This is why Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks within himself, so is he. In other words, you are what you think because what you think determines how you live, how you will behave. Thinking is everything. So you want correct thinking. How do we counter satanically deceptive thoughts, thoughts that sound so very attractive and they appeal to our fleshly desires? There's only one way to counter them. We counter them by thinking correctly, and that means you have to guard your mind by the very truths of the word of God. This is how Jesus did it. When he was tempted, the Bible says everything that Satan said to him, Jesus came back and said, it is written. It is written. He always appealed to the scriptures, always set the example for us. He also said in John seventeen seven, sanctify them, Father, in the truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify means set them apart. They grow by this. They live by this. We live by the truth of the word of God. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the apostle Paul said, and I'm just paraphrasing it to you, whatever things are true, whatever things are good, whatever things are worthy of praise, whatever things are of excellency, think on these things. Think on these things. 2 Peter 1.3 says that God has given us through his word and promises all things pertaining to life and godliness. You don't need modern psychology. You don't need modern thinking. You don't need secular thinking to be spiritual. You need the word of God. Everything you need for godliness is found in scripture. So correct thinking is everything. Guarding our minds against Satan's deceitfulness can only be accomplished by thinking based on the word of God. But that's not what Eve did. She listened to Satan's alluring temptation. You know what? She believed it. She believed that what he told her would enhance her life. She believed that if she disobeyed God, she would improve her life. She would do what seemed best to her to improve her life. And so according to Genesis 3, 6, we read, she gave into temptation and she sinned. She sinned by eating the forbidden fruit Then she gave the fruit to Adam, and he sinned by eating it too. And with Adam's act of disobedience, folks, we were all impacted. Because at that very moment that he sinned, Scripture says the entire human race that was eventually to come from Adam's loins fell. And we were plunged into sin. Paul makes this very clear in Romans chapter 5 when he says it's through one man's disobedience, meaning Adam, that we all died. 
and we all became sinners. Adam represented us. Adam was our federal head, and we were in him. So when he sinned, God says, you sinned. When Adam and Eve sinned, they became sinners by nature. Their nature became sinful. And therefore, all of their descendants, including us, we inherit that same sin nature. Now, theologians refer to the results of of the fall as total depravity, but that's a misunderstood term. It doesn't mean that we all act as bad as we're capable of acting. That's what some people think that it means. It doesn't mean that we act as bad as we're capable of, of behaving, but rather that we are depraved in our totality. In other words, wickedness infects every part of our being, our minds, our emotions, our wills. And wickedness and evil, sinfulness, impacts every aspect of our lives. There is no part of us that has escaped being corrupted by the fall, corrupted by sin. Therefore, when Adam sinned, everything changed for him and Eve as paradise was lost forever. Now, notice carefully how the fall affected Adam and Eve, especially in the area of their marriage, because this is the same way the fall impacts us today as we face the consequences of being depraved sinners. First of all, we see that the fall adversely affected how Adam and Eve now related to each other. Notice the beginning of verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Now, isn't this interesting? It's interesting because Genesis chapter 2 closed by telling us that the man and the woman were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, that was a statement, as I explained when we went over this, that was a statement referring to their physical and sexual intimacy, which was an expression of their relational intimacy, their relationship with each other of being one flesh. Remember, Adam had said of Eve, his wife, that she was bone of his bones and flesh of his flesh. And every time they engaged in physical relations, they were demonstrating the reality of that truth. So Adam and Eve enjoyed each other sexually in a way that was totally pure, without any sinful thoughts or actions. And they functioned this way. Why? Because their relationship with each other was pure and unselfish, as they were really the best of friends without any sin. But now we read, here in chapter 3, verse 7, that their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. So what does this mean? It means that their innocence was gone. Their eyes were open to the fact that they were now sinners and therefore they knew something had changed in their sexual relationship with each other. Why? Because their relational intimacy had been altered. See, for the first time they were aware of selfishness in their hearts, and negative attitudes towards each other. And the openness and honesty and transparency with each other as intimate companions, which had been present because they were the best of friends without any sin, gone. It was gone, and they knew it. And so was the purity of their sexual relationship with each other. That is to say, and this is very important, so listen closely, because sin had entered their hearts and they had lost this relational closeness to each other, God's gift of having physical relations with each other was now polluted and corrupted. In other words, because their relationship was negatively affected outside 
of their bedroom. It was negatively affected inside of their bedroom. What a disaster. In moments, Adam and Eve went from a perfect relationship with each other and all around them to being suddenly disconnected from each other in a way that must have stunned them. Suddenly, they each wanted to shield themselves from the other's gaze. And I imagine that at that point, they didn't yet realize just what a catastrophe they had caused. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For information about Lakeside, call the office at 727-441-1714 or visit the website, lakesidechapel.com. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside. You can listen online or download today's program or any of our previous broadcasts at our website, versebyverseradio.org. I'm Jerry Peterson. Our study series is The Biblical Marriage. Adam and Eve started out in Chapter 2 of Genesis with a biblical marriage. In fact, it was a model for us to emulate. But now in Chapter 3, everything is a wreck. But you know what? Really smart engineers study plane crashes to make air travel safer. They study car wrecks to make our roads and cars better. If we study what went wrong with Adam and Eve, perhaps we can learn things that will make our own marriages more like what God originally intended. Pastor Steve will do just that on the next Verse by Verse. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.